summer comes, the river runs again. I hear the music of the ice cream man. I'm making sparks, I'm making brand new friends when summer comes. Hello there, folks. This is the Strange Tonic Podcast. Thank you for tuning into it. I think this is one of our best recordings yet. Again, I know I've said it before, but I think we're getting better. And if you still haven't listened to the previous episode where I sort of interview Courtney, basically she tells her great stories and I try to ask questions and maybe, but mostly fail to add insight, please give it a listen again because it was some good stuff. We hope to have Courtney back um, if she'll... Let one of us talk to her again, because she's great, and she's also really busy. Um, with that being said, because I keep coughing every time I keep doing these uh, intros, let's just keep going, and you know where this is going, but you, come on, you you must, you must check them out. Panastral.com, Panastral on iTunes, Panastral on Bandcamp, Panastral on SoundCloud, Clued, whatever, um... And Panastro, wherever you get your digital music, because Panastro is amazing. If you're in the Denver area, check them out whenever you can. They're playing a special benefit concert at Globe Hall on June 1st in Denver. I will include a link to the page and more information on the site, uh, our blog, thestrangetonic.com. So please check that out. I'm using a different song of theirs than I've used in uh, previous recordings tonight, and that is uh, When Summer Comes off of their currently most recent album, Suburban Blues. So again, please check out our friends Pan Astral and give a listen to the previous episode with Courtney if you have not. And as always, we support uh, crap. Well... We appreciate your support of the Strange Tonic Podcast and the Strange Tonic blog at thestrangetonic.com. Thank you, thank you so much, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. to Dublin he said that like for the most part they really don't drink a lot of like like hard liquor to get drunk like if they're getting drunk it's probably mostly like Guinness and beer is that true mm-hmm. oh that's a good question I saw more beer drinking okay for sure than than the hard liquor stuff so um yeah that that very well could be is it's just beer I wonder if that's something to do with the fact that uh you know, Ireland's been known for throughout its history as really an economic juggernaut, so therefore made uh-huh. more sense to stick to beer, which is relatively cheap, than you know, whiskey, mm-hmm. which is not. Yeah, because, uh, you know, beer doesn't take nearly as long to make as whiskey yeah. does. And yeah, <laughs> so, and, um, and Irish whiskey, at least like from our stateside perspective, it, um, you know, they're pretty much as Jameson, and that's about it. You know, you. I don't know of any other Irish whiskeys that people drink regularly stateside. And, nope. uh, you know, even then people do shots of Jameson. They're not sipping on it. They mm-hmm. are just, <laughs> you know, using it as a, a way to get hammered. <laughs> and um, and uh, what's funny is, like, I, I did the little tour of the Jameson distillery. It's not really their distillery. It's like their old facility. And now it's just like a museum and a bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, they talked about how they felt like their reputation – long ago really got ruined because of prohibition and huh. uh, smugglers would in an effort to make more money and to um, you know basically sell more product which was very difficult to obtain in the first place was they would take casks of Jameson 
and water it down. So yeah. Irish whiskey got a really shitty reputation because it was watered down by the smugglers back during prohibition. And I'm like, eh, you know, I could kind of see that be like a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that would be... You know, stateside there's JMO and that's about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be an interesting thing to like look up because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> my only sort of like background in that is the uh, Boardwalk Empire. There's one episode, I guess a few episodes where the main character goes to Ireland and secures a bunch of, like, basically cases, not cases, like, pallets upon pallets of and crates of Irish whiskey in exchange for uh, submachine guns. Oh, geez. So, uh, that it also coincides with, uh, have you seen, I don't know if they're going to do another season or not, but the Netflix show uh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders? I have not watched it. it I've been told by everybody that has watched it that I should watch it. Have you watched it? I have. I've watched it every season. Like this, I think it's the second season. You're, it's almost like the second and third season. I'm not sure. Crap, I don't know. I know the second season, it's kind of like, uh, what? To the point where <laughs> I didn't realize this, but they hadn't planned on getting rid of one of the char- main characters until they're like, oh my God, she's not very good. And just were like, let's find a way to get rid of her. Oh, really? Okay, that's interesting. It's also <laughs> funny because a lot of the people that like I've talked to like on the internet or whatever about it, like, you'd love this show. Like, It's based in Ireland. I'm like, it's not based in Ireland. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I believe they're, well, I think, I think they're in a more southern English city, but yes, it's a poverty-stricken area, but area, yeah. they're, they're British. With a lot of Irish people there. Yeah, yeah. like the IRA has a, because, uh, you know, they're like any organized crime thing, like the IRA, unfortunately, is. Um, uh-huh. they move about in these kind of shady circles. So right. yeah, I think you'd like it. And in that show too, they also, at least this most recent season, cause they're getting closer to prohibition. Now they're, mm-hmm. you've got American concerns moving over to Europe, trying to figure mm-hmm. out a way to import, uh, anything they can into America just to try and, uh, you know, satiate the appetites of, you know, drunkards mm-hmm. in America. <laughs> Which there's plenty of. God bless. There America. is, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I like many Americans. Uh, I saw my own intake increase after Trump was elected president, and <laughs> I, so far for the past six weeks, I I haven't like gone dry or anything, but I've been much better, and uh, <laughs> like I had an initial round of blood tests, and the doctor was like. Not bad, but, you know, it's noticeable. Like, maybe you should drop it a little bit. Like, okay. <laughs> and yeah. so, like, I said, like, I how much I changed. And she was like, that's that's much better. It's like, yeah. Oh, okay. So I've, I have a follow-up in about six weeks. <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks, buddy. That's, you're doing us all favors. Yeah, continually. Yes. I, it was so great to be out of town for a while. I'm sure. And as I told you, I was like. I, you know, like, first of all, I didn't really want to come home in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but second of all, the other thing I was like, man, I'm going to have to catch up on all the stupid crap that happened while I was gone. I know, right? Um, yeah. And there was plenty of it. So <laughs> it is sort of not ironic because that would be uh, the correct use of the term. But uh, oddly enough, I found myself picking up extra work about four or five years ago when um, so I would, I started part-time with new company cause you have to start part-time with the company I'm at. Like there's no way to go from, okay. you know, you can't be unemployed and go to full employment with them. You'd be, everyone starts off doing shit work in the warehouse cause they want to make sure mm-hmm. everyone knows what they're doing. Plus whenever you move up, it's like, I've done it the same way you have. It's, it's a big deal. So I was trying to move up to full, you know, full employment, full, uh, full-time benefits, all that stuff as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. and they're like, well, we can't quite get you there. And I was like maybe three, that wasn't even three months. I was three weeks into employment with this company. And they're like, but uh, this one guy just went on vacation to visit his family in Ireland. So if you want to mm-hmm. pick up some of his shifts at a different location, that'd be fine. And I was like, I'll take anything you can give me. And then all of a sudden, like the date for him to come back showed up and he just didn't return. And they're like, how would you like to be uh, a, <laughs> You know, full-time employee. I was like, what? And the dude's name, and I kid you not, is Killian, which oh, you know, named after a shitty Irish beer. Nothing Irish. Like, it's like an homage to an Irish beer. 
um, sure. is like he just decided, I like it here. I'm not coming back. <laughs> Damn. And this would have been during Obama's years, too. So maybe it's just something mm. uh, not so much what Trump has done, but maybe Ireland's just no. uh, more uh, <laughs> better place to live for some people yeah. than America. Who knows? I did kind of feel like I found my people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I also found my climate. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's great. Instead of this super high, super dry Colorado yeah. air, that, that, that beautiful sea level temperate climate was just lovely. So, I, I yeah, say, I, I do enjoy I Seattle. We have back. a similar climate. Um, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I've actually been, and like, it's kind of what I wanted to get to on this podcast is if you have to focus on not only just the dumb stuff that like Trump says and does, but like that people around him and the, like not only his like surrogates, but like the actual media have to get into him. Like this sucks. <laughs> like I don't want to yeah. have to research this. And so like this whole Stormy Daniels thing, I've just been going. Mm-hmm. Why are you making me go through this? Like no one mm-hmm. that supports you gives a shit. Those of us that don't support you don't necessarily care because we're not surprised but yet because trump is trump he won't back down and is trying to enforce a non-disclosure agreement that was uh let's just say made reportedly uh hilariously incompetent (laughs) like um Mm -hmm. and so i don't know if you watched i did see that wasn't there a 60 minutes interview with her on tonight there was, and I I did not watch it for sure. Good, um, <laughs> like yeah, <it's> just... <laughs> no hell hell no. <laughs> I listened well, to. I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say because um, you know, I, that you sent me that link of the podcast that yes, Walmart yes. did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that what you were gonna bring up? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, you know, it was a couple months ago. It sounded like that he recorded it, and it yeah. was right around the time Fire and Fury came out. <laughs> and I thought he made some interesting points about fire and fury being so tabloid-esque and salacious and just like (laughs) kind of unintelligently written but it got such a firestorm around it that basically it's taking the news from trump to a whole new low Mm -hmm. and how you know now we're getting into the nasty gritty personal details as opposed to like uh being able to focus on how he is a horrible leader potentially threatening the freedom and democracy of America. Now it's like, Oh, well, he's a dirtbag and he had all these affairs and, you know, he's paying women off. And, you know, it, it like brought this, it brought in a, uh, you know, more of a rumor mill mm-hmm. um, approach to news about Trump. And that's exactly where the stormy Daniels stuff kind of fits in. Nobody's surprised by this. And, no. you know, and for the most part, you know, she's not even her, her specifically, other women are still trying to fight for their voices to be heard as far as like sexual assault goes. But she said this relationship was consensual Mm -hmm. and that, and, but it's, it's getting way more attention than any of his assaults did. So we're, we're having this like double standard here where it's like, okay, if we're going to look at the nasty, disgusting details of this man's private life, um, you know, we're giving way more screen time to a woman that says, Oh yeah, this was consensual. And he tried to pay me off for it versus like these women that were like, no, this was not consensual. And this was a criminal act and nobody's paying attention to that. And I I don't, I don't know what to think about that. That's, that's a good point. I actually hadn't thought of that because I was, I was just mainly thinking also during the, uh, that podcast that Wilmore did, he mostly does this during like intro by himself before he talks to, um, Jeffrey Tubin, right? Jeffrey Tubin. Yeah. Just kind of saying how, like, this is this stuff's turning into Trump porn. I also liked his uh, (laughs) mention of the Colbert bit that uh, Colbert did on its last show, talking about how the the right wing media had relied on something that uh, Colbert uh, coined the phrase as truthiness, because, you know, whether or not it is true, it it sounds true. And that is a uh, pillar of what's. what is it? Michael Wolf has said about his mm-hmm. quote reporting in different instances where, you mm-hmm. know, whether or not it's actually true, if it sounds true, it's good enough, which right. ironically is very bright Bardian of him. And yeah, I, that's and I'm a good point. Pretty sure he got a lot of his. I've I bought the book because, again, it's like, 
Well, if we're going to discuss it, I should probably read it. I still haven't read it, but mm-hmm. um, I get the feeling that a lot of the, you know, off the record interviews he got or like, you know, rumors he heard were probably from Bannon. Because it just kind of mm-hmm. seems like Bannon's the kind of guy that'll go, hey, I want to hear about something weird. And like, what? Just because he thinks it's fun. Plus, that's sort of the whole Bannon thing is, you know, let's tie a bunch of rumors together and see what the, uh, or just, you know, let's put them out there and see what the reader or listener or whatever does with them. But no, that's right. And let's, and let's make it so convoluted and clickbaity yes, that yeah. you can't really track down any legitimate source to it. It all just goes round and round. It's a circular kind of uh, confirmation of itself. But therefore, it has no actual validity and truth mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just a lie reinforcing a lie about its own lie. And it just goes round and round. And then you can point out uh, the legitimate reporters trying to track things down going, oh, look at these guys. They're just all attracted by this Trump porn stuff. Mm-hmm. But no, th- your, your point's really good. I, I, and I hadn't thought about that. The, uh, you know, we're all into because obviously um, <laughs> I don't know if you read it all the uh, GQ thing I sent you. The details, the alleged details surrounding how Trump and um, the adult film star known as Stormy Daniels met you know, involves mm-hmm. some pretty like kind of, you know, it's like a 2006, uh, like a time capsule where it's like, mm, yeah, you know, it's young Ben Roethlisberger and all this <laughs> other stuff. And like right. Dan Quayle, what? <laughs> it's like. John Mellencamp, yeah. <laughs> Iraq War song yeah. anthem thing. Yeah. Like, these are yeah, still things? Was, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a time camps, a camp, capsule. And I, I did read through that. And I'm like, yeah, this sounds like the exact same kind of shit that used to be on TV about, like, Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton mm-hmm. and, yep. you know, all of this stuff. Like, that's exactly what it was. And nobody's surprised by it. Not at all. With uh, Was it his assistant that had the uh, flip phone strapped to his belt? Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's 2006 <laughs> okay, right now there. Now we're talking, right? Now we're talking. But yeah, yeah and that's what makes this story so much more as you said like attractive to prying into it because I think you know, even the media as much as they might like to maybe occasional reporters try and bring someone to task for their sexual assault past like you know, how long did it take until the media finally was like actually put a uh, microscope or even looked at bill clinton for that matter right a long time because you know if someone's popular or powerful and in this case it's well i almost wonder too if some of it is the interest of because even people you're like why do you keep like even making light of what her job was at the time like oh a porn star like making fun of it like yeah i don't think that's really cool especially in our current uh context here people Mm-hmm. So therefore, uh, completely just looking over. Well, this is interesting because he maybe got uh, smacked on the ass with a you know, rolled up copy of Forbes magazine. But let's just not look into his. Uh, I don't know how many it is now. Like, is it seventeen or eighteen uh, allegations of sexual assault slash misconduct? I, I think it is seventeen or eighteen. It's uh, I think thirteen of them are the ones that have gotten like the most. Attention, but it, the number is still pretty high. It's closer to 20 than it's not. Yeah. And, you know, and it, the other thing, too, I guess, with, with this whole Stormy Daniel case is, like, I don't think he's going to – this is not going to be his Harvey Weinstein moment. This is not it. No. You know, so all of this extra attention on it is just – it is just salacious. And the only thing that could potentially give it some type of validity – um, about this specific relationship is, of course, the $130,000 check written, written by his, his lawyer right before the 2016 campaign. Which is what any Ten friend would have done, right? Fact. Right? Oh, well, of course. I yeah, mean, he's just, just be he's a, a friend. Pal, Michael, and pay up, man. <laughs> and how are you reimbursed? Might have been a campaign thing. What? Nothing. Let's not talk about no. it. No. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, that is, so that component of it is what piques my interest about it, but not all these nasty, shitty details. I mean, I don't think that's helping anything. I don't think it's going anywhere. And, um, it's, you know, and again, I think it's a disservice to all the other women that have made allegations of sexual relationships with him 
because those relationships were not consensual. This was one that she was like, okay, well, I think you're gross, but I'll sleep with you anyways. Mm -hmm. And then she got paid off for it. And then all of these other women are given gag orders when they were actual sexual assault victims. And we're not paying any attention to that. I think that's a, a true disservice, um, especially to all of the talk going on in the last 12 months about the Me Too movement and women and sexual assault in the workplace and sexual assault of women in general. This, this Stormy Daniels thing, I think, is just the same kind of shit that's been going on for decades and decades. And this is not a step forward. I think it's a step backwards. I agree. And I still think that, uh, not still, I, I, I thoroughly believe that a lot of this, you know, interest and just willingness to go to town on this story is because, you know, I, I forget what her actual name is, but... Uh, you know, her stage name it's is Stormy Daniels. Stephanie Clifford. Okay. You know, her Stephanie Clifford. Was an adult film star for a while. And so it's fun to just go, mm-hmm. a porn star, like, you know, the president and a porn star? Ain't that funny? We don't have to treat this with any sort of, like, care or, you know, not even pretend. Like, we shouldn't pretend at all. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. we can say that it, it's sort of like how I did see this where people were going, I don't know if you saw this in the news this week. That, uh, so due to YouTube's crackdown on their, like, user agreements, a lot of YouTube contributors who do a lot of stuff about guns are moving their videos from YouTube to Pornhub. Oh, really? Whoa. And you see a lot of people are like, oh, what, what's Pornhub? I have no idea what that is. Like, same thing like... <laughs> yeah, bullshit. Shut <laughs> oh, up. Stormy Daniels, like, porn star, that's funny. I don't watch porn. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I don't watch porn. Yeah, it's... shut up. Yeah, it's just a few people that make 90 it billion videos of porn are watched today. <laughs> Somebody's lying here. <laughs> it's you know, not just, you know, one of the largest industries ever or the ever you know, that most uh, tech experts have said is really the driver behind internet like innovation over the past 30 years. But okay, yeah, it's this niche industry that no one pays attention to. So I I that does I mean as much as I enjoy actually I don't watch a show cuz I'm not up that late usually, but Stephen Colbert's show on CBS, uh, he even was kind of like, ooh, a porn star, isn't this funny? Like, why is that particularly funny? Like, he had sex with a woman who he met at a golf tournament, and, you know, she's attractive. He told her she was hot, and that he reminded her of his daughter, and he banged her. Like, that's, yeah. Yep, which is, ugh. You know, it's... I didn't know we were going to go into the subject quite like this, but I do want to talk about um, just the fact that he is not the first president to have slept with a celebrity woman of some kind who took her clothes off for money. And the basic, the you know, the biggest rumor mill example of that is JFK and Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. right? So this isn't like a new thing. It's not that shocking in and of its face. And the other thing that it reminds me of is Netflix put out a documentary a couple of years ago and it was called When Porn Ends. Mm-hmm. And it interviewed a bunch of former porn film stars who, you know, were into, in the industry for a while. And then when they tried to get out of it, they couldn't get jobs anywhere. And they were shamed. And, you know, slut, women in particular were slut shamed. And one of them had said, you know, isn't it interesting that when you're in the industry, men just like give you this type of disgusting adulation, but then they shame you for it. Mm-hmm. It's how they're paying you to fulfill this service of being filmed, having sexual relationships with somebody on screen. And then you're shamed for pleasing that audience. And, you know, so isn't that kind of funny, too, that, you know, everybody's focusing on this porn film star thing. And it's like our culture, like, perpetuates this type of job. Mm-hmm. It's a massive industry. And, and and so why why should we all pretend that you know our society is not in compliance with this being a job like you know like pretending like it's some some big shameful thing when it's actually really really common like a lot more common than obviously anybody wants to admit. Hmm. I it's <laughs> that might be a topic for a whole nother podcast. It's a, I know it's, a it's so true. Where, that was like <laughs> uh, Larry Wilmore. Uh, talk with Jeffrey Tubin, where, as you said, like when you're out of town, you weren't bombarded with breaking news every four seconds about, oh, what's this? Mm-hmm. What's this? And in that podcast, mm-hmm. you know, Tubin mentions to Wilmore that he was walking 
to the CNN studios from his uh, Manhattan apartment. And in the 20 plus minute time it got from like him to get from his apartment to there, like new mm-hmm. stories where the people were asking him was like, what that just happened? Like, Oh crap. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not, I guess no pun intended, but I mean, Trump porn really is a thing. It's, you know, how do mm-hmm. we parse out what really matters from, you know, um, uh, I don't like this guy at all, but my, uh, I have a friend who really likes, uh, was it Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro, one of the two? Mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro. To, see, the, you know, the, yet the latest, like, young, sort of cleaned up right-wing guy that's, you know, is all about talking about the shrieking left and mainstream media all the time when, you know, doesn't seem to spend much time actually talking about why his own points of view are correct or trying to build a movement that is built on principle as opposed to just, you know, cynicism. But anyways... I guess Shapiro has said that, or Shapiro, Shapiro, whatever. Whatever. Has called Trump like a mud monster. And so like, why should you be surprised Mm. when a mud monster does these kind of things? Mm. And I mean, that's a good point. However, this is the same guy that then demands that the media give Trump his due when he does correct things. Mm. And so to me, it's like, (laughs) okay, yes. Like maybe we shouldn't be surprised that a guy who would uh, you know, talk with Billy Bush about how he can you know, move on women like a bitch and that you know, walk up to women and just grab them by the pussy because they'll let him do it. And this mm-hmm. is, of course, during the same time that uh, Trump was allegedly having this affair with Stormy Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we, we shouldn't be surprised that he would have affairs and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean then we shouldn't go well, then isn't it some bullshit that he comes out and says things like that never happened and he never said that, even though he's on camera, or that evangelicals, for the most part, still consider him to be a Christian man mm-hmm. and go like, he, you know, oh, well, who hasn't sinned? That's true. But if we're going to give him all these passes or if we're going to say, well, he's just a shitty human being to begin with, then maybe you shouldn't go, well, look, when he, when he occasionally does something right, let's just go to that. So, like, you know, how much is us going, no, we need to hold this man to as much scrutiny as possible because he deserves it, and how much is going, uh, well, you know, he's awful, and, like, what, what, what do we expect? You know, and it's funny because I think I think it's it's working in his favor at the same time mm-hmm. that this is hurting his image because – all of this scrutiny upon this relationship is taking up a lot of time in, in, in news and in people's uh, minds, basically when all of these other things going on in his administration happened this week. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've kind of heard the arguments that like, Oh, well him, him cutting McMaster was a distraction from the stormy Daniels interview and so on and so forth. But I don't think so. I feel like, I feel like this this hype around this uh, affair from 12 years ago is is a distraction and that they're willing to like let it play out by not admitting to it or anything because the longer he doesn't admit to it the longer the story will go on and it's it's like a nice um convenient shitty piece of news that is taking away from the fact that, you know, Rex Tillerson is out, McMaster is out, this Bolton guy has just been brought into the administration. Mm-hmm. And these are all horrible things that could have major, you know, global, like po- geopolitical implications. And we're talking about a porn star who's left with him 12 years ago. Yep. And um, to those that say that, uh, he's purposely keeping this story going with Stormy Daniels as some sort of, uh, you know, Machiavellian brilliance. No, this is Trump who just never wants to ever back down. And I'm sure he'll never admit to it. Yeah, I'm sure his attorneys have just kind of gone, let her talk. What's going to happen? Like, but his team's going like Mm -hmm. that. Like you got through a larger scandal than this before, just fine. And nothing happened. And he's, but you know, he can't ever like, well, you know, she signed a non-disclosure agreement. She she can't talk about. It. I'll fight it to the end. Like, and I I don't. That's your point too. I don't think that you know firing McMaster was to try and draw attention away from this. I think it was, you know, he 
got bored of him because McMaster, apart from going in front of the media and talking about how the Russians are doing horrible things, he mm-hmm. has also been reported to not like the fact that McMaster tries to teach him things. Right. And, you know, how yeah. dare he? He just wants to <laughs> have a good story told to him. Like, um, I think it was uh, Maggie Haberman was on CNN last week and was talking about how you know Trump really likes watching this show play out around him. So there's no like you know master stroke of him playing the media. It's he no. enjoys kind of saying stuff, watching the media freak out, and then just like seeing what happens, or like even like watching his own people, you know, undercutting them like he has done with uh, Huckabee Sanders repeatedly, where everything's mm-hmm. fine. Like McMaster's gonna stay on for the time being. He's gone. Like, and he just like seeing that, even though it undercuts her credibility, which I guess at this point mm-hmm. she really shouldn't have any. But um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, or, or just, I mean, even, even with like his call to Putin and he congratulated him mm-hmm. for, you know, the do not congratulate thing. A lot of really funny memes came out of that. I will admit <laughs> that like just on an entertainment level. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like he's got, he's got his yes man telling him like, yeah, nothing's going to happen. Everything's fine. And then he still has other people in his administration, one of whom was McMaster, scrambling to keep him from doing the stupidest shit that could be really dangerous mm-hmm. or, or potentially problematic. And he still does it anyways. Yep. because Especially when it comes to Russia and Putin. Yep. A big tenet of Trump is that um, if you tell him to do something, he's going to do something else. Especially, you know, if if someone's saying something nice about him, like he has to you know, return the favor because... He's all about mm-hmm. loyalty, even if that loyalty serves no purpose to anyone other than his own ego. He's all about loyalty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, it. Um, Rachel Maddow made a point on one of her episodes this week that he, he cut Tillerson loose. And Tillerson's final press conference in his position was admonishing Russia. Mm-hmm. And then... A couple days later, McMaster has a press conference and he's admonishing Russia and all of a sudden he gets fired. And we know that there's been rumors about them being fired over the course of many, many months now. Um, but it, the timing there, I don't think is necessarily coincidental that as soon as they start plucking at Putin or Russia, then Trump's loyalty to Putin, which I don't understand why the fuck he even has it in the first place. No. Um, once that's drawn into question or uh, threatened on some level by somebody in his administration, they're, they're let go. Yeah. Again, it's, and it's Mm -hmm. kind of the same idea here where he just doesn't seem to understand optics. He can still claim that there was no collusion between him and his campaign with the Russians and be hard on them. He doesn't have to go, Nothing here. Everything's fine. And then, you know, refused until recently to enact the sanctions that Congress overwhelmingly passed on Russia. Like, right. He can be Which hard on his... them yeah. without mm-hmm. admitting like that he did something wrong. Like he can do he can do both mm-hmm. and optically mm-hmm. it'll look better. But because he's a little boy, a spoiled little boy who's all about his ego, he has to have it. The worst way possible for himself well for i guess for the pr way but uh for his ego this is the best i suppose i don't know i don't know and it, but it, i mean all of this stuff like <laughs> it's just ridiculous um but even like with the disappointment of this guy this stupid war hog is just like the worst ever um he already has connections to Mercer family yep. and like NRA money and Russia and stuff. He's already involved with situations that, that the FBI is already investigating. <laughs> and he hired the guy to be national, national security advisor. Like, yes. It's just, it's, it all is, it keeps just going back to Russia. And I'm just like, what do they have on him? <laughs> like, is it really that he just has such admiration for Putin and his overwhelming democratic majority win with his election <laughs> blah 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 no i don't hey vlad look at my map really it's huge I look... <laughs> right. 
oh, just, you know, forget that I put all of my political opponents in prison right before the election. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that. I definitely won, you know. Yes. Um. It, so it's like we, you know, it is very obvious that, you know, Russia interfered with our, our election and that people in the Trump campaign knew about it and accepted it gladly. And it, I, it just keeps going on like farther than that. Like, I, you know, so that does make me wonder, like, what do they have on him? <laughs> mm-hmm. They might, they probably have something. I mean, they got, you know, they have just as good of uh, surveillance technology as the United States does. And uh, they've, they've got something. There's something there. <laughs> and it could just be that he's an idiot and they know that um, because... <laughs> That's what they have on him is that he's a dumbass and... <laughs> Because uh, they're slowly proving it. I would <laughs> doubt that even after the fact, like all of those deals he did with you know, shady Russian characters in the late 90s and mid 2000s, I would mm-hmm. doubt he's ever gone back and like had his attorneys dig through it to see what kind of like exposure he has to bad people. Because, you know, sure. they gave him money. How could they be bad? Whatever. It's not his responsibility. Did you check out that Pelosi article I sent you? I did. Yeah, I did scan through it briefly. Okay. So um, while you were out of the country, I Mm -hmm. uh, listened to the audiobook program of Listen to Liberal or Whatever Happened to the Party of the People by Thomas Frank. And a lot of it does read as a, you know, I don't know if this is his perspective or he's trying to Take, you know, use the voice of the perspective of a liberal who feels that he's been who's been sold out by their party. And a lot of it discusses like you know, technocrats and how you know, the party of you know, the managerial class you know, really has decided that um, you know they really must. It's a party of meritocracy, and that's how this world works. So since they've made it, like whatever they've done, like they're positions their jobs their occupations their choices are the correct ones and they've chosen a the democrats that is have chosen a um socioeconomic i guess platform that follows this and so like not knowing i guess as much as i thought i did about nancy pelosi and reading this i was just thinking okay her problem is that she's yet another one of these uh you know Bay Area liberals who raises a lot of money for the party claims to take these positions on you know more progressive issues, but you know sells out those things at the interest of either the people that she serves in the Bay Area or this kind of idea that um, Frank himself tries to sell, which is centrist Democrats have been going after for thirty years, which is that um, you know poor people you know they. they they need to just work harder if they want to be represented. But mm-hmm. this piece in the Atlantic, I, and I read all the, uh, and I read all of the links that uh, I always pronounce his name wrong. Is it Peter Beinart? Oh, I don't know. I let's roll with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I read all the things that he like cites, and you're like, oh, like uh, I, I guess I've been reading it wrong. Where uh, Pelosi has in the past, and probably still currently will give cover to the people in her caucus for voting for things that really, you know, aren't popular with actual progressives, but herself doesn't usually support those positions. And Mm -hmm. her voting record is actually quite progressive. And so this Mm -hmm. piece, it, Mm -hmm. so like, this kind of changed my mind a bit where it's like, yeah, cause I was like, maybe she does need to go. It's like, maybe not like maybe just, uh, Democrats need to follow more closely her leadership as opposed to, and this pissed me off. I think this happened while you were gone. A number of Senate Democrats voting to, you know, roll back regulations on big banks. Oh no. Yeah. I did not hear about that. That's not cool. Including Michael Bennett. No, really? Damn it, Michael. You know, honestly, like, um, when you suggested Pelosi in, in this article as kind of a, a topic, my mind went straight back to our conversation a couple of weeks ago with, about Diane Feinstein. Mm-hmm. Yep. That Pelosi has been a figure that's been around for such a long time. Like They're maybe, a similar age. Maybe that's why. And uh, yeah, and 
maybe that's why her popularity has been waning. And so I was really struck by this article um, state, you know, demonstrating her success as a party leader in, in the capital um, of, and her being more progressive than people realize, like voting, voting certain things down and not giving up and, you know, really towing the line on, on um, uh, certain, you know, certain policy issues that may or may not have led to a victory, but she did try to, you know, you know, stick to her, her principles. So I was kind of struck by that. But the other thing that I got out of this article is that basically she's hated because she's a woman. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> like, uh, I wish it had been something else. <laughs> as opposed well, exactly. to just, I just... The, like that was the conclusion this article <laughs> yeah. came to. I was like, oh, God, this is like the exactly what it's been for a lot of female politicians over the years. And, you know, and then the author also is talking about like Hillary Clinton and, you know, whole gender thing with her or then even like elizabeth warren like if she were to ever run for the white house she probably couldn't win because she's a woman i'm like oh shit <laughs> this is really depressing well i feel like uh Beiner, the author if we're pre- I'll, I'll look it up tomorrow <laughs> to make sure we're not I, butchering I, his I, name looking at the spelling dude it's probably Beiner. so okay. yeah just roll with it and i feel like i've yeah. heard him interviewed before on like npr of all places and that's how they said it but i'll, I'll look it up um, it's a. It looks like a German name, and would be the pronunciation okay. in German. So yeah, I'm sure we're fine with Beiner. <laughs> I feel like he was trying to go another place with his argument, or like his, you know, uh, analysis that. Well, maybe it's because she did this or because she did that, but he's going. Well, if the criticism is this, here's how she voted. If the criticism is of is this, here's what she said, and then right. it's like, well. Where else is he is he to go with it that her um you know she was against TPP like she's not mm-hmm. a pro you know she's not a pro global trade necessarily Democrat but she's still pegged as that it's this um what or I didn't know this either like the article talks about how um you know oh she didn't follow the traditional gender roles. Well, actually, she stayed at home and raised all of her kids before she started her political career, which obviously shouldn't be something that anyone is held to. But the fact that, mm-hmm. like, if that's the argument against her, she met up against it. it was like, well, actually, I raised my kids and then I ran for public office. Like, interesting. Right. So there's. Yeah, yeah there's... I think when she ran for her first campaign, her oldest child was like a senior in high school. Or something mm-hmm. like it was. Yeah, nobody would ever ask a man, well, why aren't you at home raising your children? Mm-hmm. And although she herself is uh, a Catholic, but has a pretty good, uh, you know, pro-choice record, she has allowed people in her caucus to play, you know, whether it's play with their bases, that, that sounds um, dismissive, and I don't feel good about that, but, uh, or, you know, follow their actual principled beliefs and, you know, be more, you know, I, I still hate this term. We'll just use anti-abortion. That's usually good, a good term. Yeah, um, yeah. She, like, told Obama, like, we're going to have to let them do that because that's what my, so my caucus wants to do. And that's what a good mm-hmm. leader does. Like, they don't necessarily just whip everybody into shape. It's usually like, well, I'm going to try and get you the votes I can, but I'm also not going to browbeat my caucus into doing whatever you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did mean to attend the Seattle uh, March for Our Lives event on Saturday, but I was up late reading. Also, my you know, <laughs> we can get to this before we uh, sign off with the uh, good thing of the week, but my family was out here for a good portion to start the week off. So I guess oh, I okay. probably didn't quite understand how tired I was going to be with my first opportunity to sleep in. So uh, <laughs> my alarm went off at eight, and I thought I hit snooze, and I hit uh, off and just slept. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's nice to see that you know whether I guess you know a generation, you know, not just the you know the, the high school kids, but I mean people up into their forties and fifties are they seem much more politically active now. Like the women's march is another good uh, example mm-hmm. of this. That there's a mm-hmm. lot more politically active people 
who are willing to go out and like, hey, no, I, I have an opinion. I'm going to you know, show it by not just going to the internet and going, I don't like so-and-so or Donald Trump is a turd. They're willing to take time mm-hmm. out of their day and walk miles and miles and miles and show people. So with that, like, what was your experience on Saturday? Um, it was uh, a little bit different from yours, but it was the same in the sense <laughs> that I did not get noon. to go to the march. <laughs> yeah, no, I had to go to work. <laughs> so um, just some, uh, just a couple of scheduling things, and and you know, it was fine. I had I had really hoped to have been there. Um, Denver was the closest march for me, uh, but I did not get to attend. But I mean what a beautiful day for a protest. And, uh, it was, um, just cool to watch the news unfold. A hundreds of thousands of people that participated not only across our country, but around the world. And, you know, that was something that struck me in a way that it didn't quite the same, um, for the women's March last year. Um, it was just the, the amount of support that we as Americans, even though it's been like a very embarrassing year or two to be an American, we still have just other human beings around the world that want us to be safe and happy and healthy and hope that we would give them the same courtesy and support and response. Like we're all human beings. We all live here. You know, we should strive better to support each other and to make changes in our world that prevents death and destruction. Humans are so good at death and destruction we should work on building each other up and, and making things brighter and better for, for the younger generations. And it was just, um, just as, as it has been the last month, um, very inspirational to see the younger generation of our, of our country take on a, a type of responsibility and mantle and uh, articulate it in such an intelligent, thoughtful, and meaningful way. That it, that it was really, really, really great to see um, the support that they're receiving, uh, but also the amount of fire that they have within themselves to mm-hmm. continue to make these types of changes. For sure. And all of these kids, these high schoolers that some people want to people want to shut up and to go away and to say, oh, they're all actors and they're paid and they're coached and types of other horrible Or these I did kids... see a uh, Florida State... Uh, legislator get up and say that we don't let kids vote against homework like what the real yeah how degradating is that to compare voting homework down versus like children being shot to death in their schools like that's that's deplorable plus you know these kids Um, have said that they're against homework i mean that wait oh they haven't that's that's right (laughs) they haven't (laughs) and uh, they also haven't said that they were against the second amendment either shocking um they just want they want it to where they don't have to be afraid to go to school anymore. And, uh, you know, a lot of these kids, they're going to be voters soon. And the goddamn gun lobbyists should be shaken in their Italian leather shoes because they, they might have a reckoning. And um, I, I throw my support behind that reckoning. And I think millions of other people here and around the world do. And so it's, it was cool to, to just watch the protests happen um the marches in 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 such you know big numbers and i think you know and this is at the same time when that spending bill that just got passed also it did have minor gun reforms in them that's true i mean (laughs) it's good timing true it's a small step so even if uh our dear leader did essentially say that obama was the one who legalized bump stocks so that was fun (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Obama. Oh, of course. I yes. forget. Everything's Obama's fault. Indeed. I forgot. <laughs> well, that's what happens when your president's number one uh, place of uh, information is Fox and Friends. That's right. That's oh. right. <laughs> All right. So before <laughs> we sign off here, let's do the good thing of the week since we spent so much time on the bad thing of the past whatever years. And- yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, what's yours, Michelle? Do you have one? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that that was even a thing. Yeah. Well, we could we could just roll with it was the. Uh... Thing. I was the one that suggested it. Yes. So, I mean, the protests, the, the march saying. for our lives. That's 
that'll be my good thing of the week because I didn't think of anything else in time. And that's a pretty great thing. So <laughs> I'm just going to roll with, uh, so my dad drove in last Friday night. My sister came out here with, uh, her three kids on Saturday. And even though I couldn't get, uh, any time off of work on Monday or Tuesday, we did spend a bunch of time together. Um, you know, saw some, it's been a very lovely spring. Like for the most part, Good. it doesn't get nice out here until like kind of end of June, like where it's consistently nice, but it's been, it's been pretty sunny out here for the past couple of weeks. So they got to see Global the, uh, warming. That's right, the nice parts <laughs> of uh, Seattle spring. Um, they'd kind of done the more touristy stuff the last time they'd been out here. So we took them to some different mm -hmm. spots and, cool. um, I got to show my nephew how to play Madden a bit. And it went from him. Like it was sort of funny. Uh, he's holding the controller, just jumping up and down the bed while he's playing my dad, when he got to them on Saturday night to on uh -huh. Monday night, um, showing him like kind of the more mechanics of the game. And he's just very calmly sitting there and like, he couldn't get one thing done. I was like, I'll show you how it's done. And I had no idea how to do it. And he started doing it. I'm like, yep, that's how it goes. Um, which that's is, <laughs> as we've said before, and especially with this, uh, you know, the youth leading this movement right now for the March for Our Lives, like, um, even for those of us that are older millennials like myself, and you're younger than, my, than I am, uh, the younger generation, they know how to do the whole, uh, all this stuff a lot better than we do. <laughs> And it's impressive and it's good. So it is. And uh, it should be. Yes, it should be honored and they should be uh, admired for it and not told that they shouldn't be voting on stuff that uh, limits their uh, homework responsibilities. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but with that, there yes, you go. Good, I think, good stopping point. Yes. <laughs> we'll call that a recording.